0: Good morning. Why don't you bring your conversations to a close? As uh, as Matt said, my name is Paul. Um, I'm one of the site pastors here at the gate, and it is a joy. It's, I love how rowdy you are this morning. Oh, someone else did it for me, thank you. Yeah, bring a conversation to a close, guys. Uh, just very quickly, um, if you've gone on your phone uh, during the break to try and sign up for Love Cardiff on our website, uh, when you go onto our homepage, you just need to scroll all the way to the bottom and you'll find it. Um, we just suddenly realised during the break that it is, uh, it's not right at the top. So yeah, if you're, if you're doing that or you're doing it later, scroll right to the bottom uh, and you'll find it and it'll be amazing to see you there next weekend. So, we are in our Kingdom Carriers series at the moment, looking at how we carry the Kingdom of God. And last week, Ian shifted gears slightly, whereas in the um, kind of first few weeks, we looked more at the theory of it. Ian began a two-parter last week, shifting into more of a practical uh, mode, looking last week at proclaiming the Kingdom, and then this week at demonstrating the Kingdom. He said that we are to both tell people about the Kingdom of God and show them the Kingdom of God as well. And so today I am picking up the mantle from him and we're going to look at that, demonstrating the kingdom. Now if you've been tracking with us over the last couple of months, hopefully you'll have picked up um, that the kingdom of God is anywhere that the will of God is done. And so that's kind of what we're looking at and what we mean when we say the kingdom of God. And, And if the kingdom of God is wherever his will is done, then that means that we can show his kingdom in a number of ways. That we can demonstrate it by caring for the poor. That is right at God's heart, by fighting injustice, by caring for the environment which couldn't be more important than it is right now. By creating beautiful art, by running godly businesses, there are so many different ways that we can demonstrate the kingdom in the world around us. And those things that I've just listed, they are 100% us doing that. But when we read the, um, the scriptures, when we read the New Testament, it is really clear that when the kingdom of God breaks in, it comes in power. And there are signs and wonders that accompany them. So if you've got a Bible, open up with me to Matthew 10. Uh, The verses will come on the screen behind me. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, as Matt said, we would love to give you one. So head downstairs and pick one up afterwards. But we'll be in Matthew 10. Matthew's one of the Gospels. The Gospels are the accounts written about Jesus' life. They document his ministry. So once you're there, we're going to read verse 1 and then we're going to jump forward to verse 7 and 8. So Matthew 10, verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and illness. And then it it lists who the disciples are. And then in verse 7, this is Jesus' instruction to them as he sends them out. He says, As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal those who are ill. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Freely give. Jesus gave them the authority and he said to them, go and tell people about the kingdom and go and proclaim it by healing the sick, by casting out demons through miraculous signs. Now when we read through the, the scriptures, we find this time and time again that there's both the, the telling of the kingdom uh, and the showing of the kingdom through power. I'm just going to highlight a couple of them. Don't worry about turning with me because we won't look at them in depth. But in Matthew 4:23, Jesus went through Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. When you read the gospel accounts, you find that Jesus is consistently and constantly healing people when he goes and preaches the kingdom. Then in Acts 3, this is the story about the early church, Peter heals a crippled beggar and then proclaims the message of the kingdom to those around who have witnessed In Acts 8, we're told that Philip proclaimed the good news about Jesus in the city of Samaria and then demonstrated the power of the kingdom with miraculous signs. In Acts 14, we see Paul and Barnabas boldly sharing the gospel and we're told that the Lord confirmed their message by enabling them to do miraculous signs and wonders. In 1 Corinthians, which was a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Corinth, he says this, "'My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words.' Gives me some hope today. But with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. Later in that same letter, he says to them, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power in chapter four, verse 20. And then right at the start of Acts, when Jesus is talking to his disciples, he says to them, just before he ascends into heaven, he says, but you will receive power When the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. It's clear that when the kingdom of God comes, it comes with power. And that when that power comes, we can see miraculous signs and wonders. And as you read through the Gospels in the book of Acts, you'll find that most often the miraculous signs that we see are healing. Or demons being cast out of people now they're by no means the only things we see prophetic words we see people speaking in other languages we see uh, nature itself obeying jesus commands but today i want to talk as matt said right at the start about us looking at this idea of healing that when the power of god comes people can be healed now as i mentioned healing there'll be a you know a multitude of responses in the room some of us will be like yes that's amazing love that really up for it other others of us in the room will struggle with the idea a bit more maybe we're here and it's an intellectual sort of problem that we have in the west we have um, quite a rationalistic uh, a materialistic uh, worldview and we sort taught deductive reason card hold facts. card hold cold hard cold hard facts they how we make decisions. What can I see? What can I touch? So care for the poor, for example, is a demonstration of the kingdom that we can quite easily get on board with. It makes sense to us. It's like, yeah, that is something that should be done. I can really see how that benefits. I can kind of fit it nicely into a box. That's good. I can get behind that. But we struggle with the concept that someone could be ill, that we could essentially speak a few words and that person's illness could go away. It doesn't really make sense to us in our way of thinking. And we think, okay, we, we maybe haven't seen it. We don't quite understand how it works. So we conclude that maybe the Bible, is, it's an old-fashioned book, written in a different time. You know, maybe just healing doesn't really happen. And that would be many of us in the room. But then there'll be those of us here who have a, a real struggle with the topic of healing because we have experienced it when it hasn't happened. Maybe that is that we are here ourselves and we have a long-term illness that has maybe even been prayed for a number of times and healing hasn't come. And now we're kind of in this disappointment and in this wrestle with God of, like, well, your word says that you heal. People talk about it from the front, but I'm still carrying this illness. What, what does that mean? Or maybe it's not that we've got the illness, but that we have prayed for someone, maybe someone that we love dearly, and they haven't been healed. Maybe even that you know, has resulted in their death. That, for me, that, that was my story. So I have not always been, um, you know, kind of really behind healing. Grew up not necessarily around it being done very much. They so kind of read it in the Bible and was like, that's kind of cool, but didn't really see it. Came to uni, began to kind of explore this idea of maybe God does heal. And then had a friend, uh, a family friend, who was involved in a horrific hit-and-run car accident. Uh, And then kind of was in a coma. And what then followed was four months of me learning what I thought was like really praying praying with faith, that scripture says, of praying for her healing. And each time that the prognosis got worse and that her condition deteriorated, I was like, Lord, I get it. I know why you have waited until now. Now it can only be you. So now bring your glory, Lord. Heal this lady. And she wasn't healed. She was a year older than me. And in April that year, she passed away. And what that did in me was bring this just like huge doubt that God was good, that he did heal, that my prayers made a difference. And this disappointment kind of sank deep into my soul. And so many of us will feel that disappointment. We might be in that season right now. And as we talk about healing today, I in no way whatsoever want to minimize your pain. What I love about God is that he is a God who feels. He doesn't invite us to pretend like we're okay when we're not. And so if you're here and you are in that season of disappointment, in that season of struggle, know that he is a God who loves you and who cares for you. And know that it is okay to not be okay with the fact that a healing hasn't come. We... um, Spoke and have spoken a lot about the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. That sometimes we see the kingdom break in and sometimes we don't. Uh, And if this is a bit of a new idea to you, I would really encourage you to go back and listen to the first talk in this whole series by a guy called Derek Morphy, who is a guest speaker we had. And he really laid this um, the groundwork for understanding that. And that it, it helps us frame. Why sometimes we pray for people and they get healed and sometimes they don't. And I don't have time to dive into it today. So please go back and listen to that if you, if you have the chance. The reality is healing is a mystery. I do not know why sometimes we pray for people and they get healed. And other times we pray for them and they don't. But what I do know is that if we know the nature of God, if we know his goodness, then we can rest in the mystery. For me at that time when I had prayed for my friend for four months and and she wasn't healed, I honestly, I didn't really know the goodness of the Lord that much. I kind of knew about it theoretically, but I didn't know it deep in my soul. And so it was so hard for me to reconcile this thing where it's like, well, you tell me to pray for people, yet you didn't show up. So how can I trust you? And so my encouragement, if you are in that wrestle today, is to pursue the nature of the Lord. Pursue his heart. Let him show you his kindness towards you. Because when we know his nature, we can rest in the mystery. The reality is that the kingdom of God coming in power does not uh, rest on us performing a specific ritual, saying the right things. It rests and relies on a sovereign God. whose heart is to show us his love, his mercy, his compassion, his justice. And sometimes he chooses to show that through people being healed. Sometimes he chooses to show it in other ways. And it confuses me. I it really, really does. There are moments that I step forward, I'm like, I have so much expectation that when I pray for this person, they're gonna be healed. I'm so full of faith. I pray and nothing happens. And then there's other times where I'm like, if I'm honest, I'd, I'd rather go home than pray for this person right now. I, I've got other things on my mind. Lord, okay. We'll just pray for them quickly and then they get healed it's, it's not on me it's not on my faith it's not on my expectation which then confuses me because it's like well God why didn't you show up when I was full of faith and why did you show up when I wasn't but when we know the nature of God we don't rest in the confusion we don't stay there we go okay it's confusing but I know that you're good John Wimber, who um, uh, Ian mentioned last week, he's like the spiritual father of the vineyard movement of churches. He said uh, quite often that he had a file in his mind marked unknown that he was planning to ask Jesus to explain when he got to heaven. Frequently, he'd file away an incident or a question, a mystery even, with a wry smile. At Other times, he would say that he'd, he'd file things away with great agony, that he would really wrestle with God over the topics. But what he would do, would be like, you know what God, I humble myself before you, I know that you're sovereign, I know there is a limit to my understanding, but I trust that you're good. So you know what, when I get to heaven, when I get to be in front of your throne, I'm going to say to you, hey, can you take me back to this moment, why, why didn't you? And, and in that moment he's like, I trust that the Lord will explain The danger for us is that we can let our experience dictate what we think about God and what we think about scripture and how we then act. And my encouragement to us would be not to negate our experiences, but to let who God is and the truth about him dictate how we view our experiences. The reality is praying for people is an obedience issue. Jesus commands us to do it. I remember when um, a few years after my friend had passed away, so this was maybe two and a half years later, and I was, um, I was like, finally beginning to process the disappointment that I'd had. And I was processing it with this amazing man, uh, a real father in the faith to me. Uh, and I was kind of expecting him to say something really calm, and, you know, really, sort of really kind and really encouraging and really sweet. And be like, yeah, hey man, I know that sucks, doesn't it? And he was just like, yeah, that's hard you need to go pray for some people to be healed there. And I was like, did you just not like hear me bear my soul to you and be all emotional? Like, and you're just telling me to go pray for people. And he was like, yeah, you need to go pray for people. And in that, in that moment, I was really knocked off with him. I was like, screw you, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but then as I began to reflect on it, I got it. It's, it's an obedience thing. It's up to me to do what Jesus asks me to do. It's up to him what the outcome is. John 14 verse 15, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says, if you love me, you will keep my commands. You will do what I say. Now this isn't us obeying a nasty dictator who wants to manipulate us, but a king who knows his instructions lead to the fullness of life. Jesus instructs us to heal the sick it's what he expects us to do as his followers so ultimately even if we are people who really struggle with it whether intellectually whether because of an experience for any other reason ultimately Jesus commands us to pray for the sick so maybe we should do it that was my journey um I became convicted and convinced that I needed to, you know, kind of from that conversation and then somewhat over the next few months just beginning to process it, I was like, crikey, I should probably obey Jesus and start praying for the sick. So so I did that. I was on my discipleship year at, at the church. Um, and a guy called Ian Latte, he's up at the north site. Uh, if you don't know him, he's an absolute legend of a man. But we were doing it together and we were like, you know what, we need to go after this. So we started praying for every sick person that we came across. We would pray for them. We even went out on the streets a few times to do it. Um, I think the th- first few times we did it, we didn't go up to anyone because we were so scared. <laughs> but we're like, we're out, this counts, right? Um, it, was, it was good. Um, it took us four months before we saw anyone healed. And I remember, I remember the moment we were, uh, stood around this guy, and he had a heavy cold, and he'd had a cold for probably about two or three weeks. It was one of those grace ones, you know, like the snot's dribbling out, and he sounded grace, all of that kind of stuff. And we prayed for him, uh, nothing happened, and we prayed again, and nothing happened. And after seven or eight times of us praying and nothing happened, suddenly something happened. And instantaneously, he was healed. And like... I couldn't believe it. Like before my eyes, his cold had gone. His eyes were no longer puffy. His voice had changed. And honestly, like I was jumping around the room. I know when you read scripture, it's often the person who's healed that jumps around the room. But I was like, "My, we've finally seen it." And it was one. Of the, it was an undeniable moment. It's like, well, you haven't been. I, you know, been around this guy for the last couple of weeks. I was like, you haven't been putting the cold on. And now it's just gone. He was healed. And this is the reality that I then began to see over the next few months and years. I really pushed into it. I saw people healed, instantaneously, miraculously, when I prayed for them, their pain went away. And that is bonkers, isn't it? It really is. You pray for someone, they've got, you know. I remember praying for my friend who had a bad back, and he's just said, "Oh, it's like someone turned a tap on, and the pain just rushed out of his body." I was like, "That's so weird." But it's really cool. And so what I began to have was this, this difficulty where was like my disappointment of a past season was being confronted with the reality that I was now seeing it. And I was like, well, I can't deny it. It does happen. There are stories from this community. Many, many stories. Chris, who was leading worship uh, this morning, last summer, his knee, his knee got healed. In church, prayed for, knee healed. Amazing. There's a, a, a lady called Kath. Um, we shared some of her story on the 10-year anniversary video we did back in September about her being healed from allergies. But just after we shared that video, we, um, in leadership year, we prayed for her. And she had had a bad back for, I think it was about eight years at this point. And again, miraculously healed, all pain gone. It's like, what? That's so cool. And these are people in our community that you can go and chat to You can chat to Chris afterwards and be like, did your knee really get healed? You can ask him what it was like, what it was like before, what it was like after. People in our community, this happens. Now, as I share those stories, there will still be some of us in the room who are feeling cynical. And that's natural. My encouragement, if you are still feeling doubtful, feeling cynical, is to take this to the Lord. Process it with him. Open yourself before him. Humble yourself before him. And just go, you know what, God, I have a real problem believing this. Maybe I don't even know why. Because let's look at it. The Gospels are full of people being healed. Jesus commanded his disciples and us as his followers to heal people. The New Testament then has lots of stories of being healed. Throughout church history, we didn't touch on it this morning. But in every generation of church documents of people being healed in our community there are people being healed that you can go up to and check and verify yourself and then important importantly there's not a hidden agenda behind this so i'm not saying oh hey you know chris got healed and if you tithe as much as chris does then you could get healed too That's not the message. You know, many of us are really wary of it because sometimes it's like, well, is the preacher bigging it up so that we are manipulated? No. It's only for the glory of God. And it's only because he wants to show us his love, his mercy, his compassion. So there's no hidden agenda behind it. And so, because of those reasons, as we go through them, it's like, well, maybe this does happen. And maybe we should be people who give it a go. Because what would it look like if everyone in our church caught this and started praying for people regularly to be healed? Not just inside the church, but outside the church as well. Think about it. Think about your work, your family, your friends. I, don't, we've, I, th- I think across all of the services, we've got about 600 adults, about 200 kids who would call this church their home. I think that's about right. Imagine if 800 people across Cardiff and the surrounding areas started praying regularly for the people in their lives and seeing them healed. Do you think that we'd start to see more salvation? Would our workplaces look different? Would our schools look different? Would our families change? Yeah. Because as people begin to get healed, they can't. If someone gets healed, it's quite hard for them to deny the power of God. How cool would that be, us out there seeing the kingdom come? Because the goal is not that we would see this happen on a Sunday morning. That's not the goal. Yeah, I'd love it. I would love it if every week people are being healed in this space. Of course I would. But the goal is that this would be the training ground that we would go out equipped to do this on the streets. Uh, We shared Pete Spears' story um, a couple of weeks ago of when he was in Starbucks uh, with a couple of friends, and they they had brought a, a person along with them who was their friend who didn't know Jesus, uh, and as they were kind of chatting, they just they prayed for her. She was healed in that moment, and then off the back of it, Pete was able to lead her to Jesus, and she was like, "Yes, I want to follow Him." In Starbucks, in Bridge End, in the middle of the day. That's what we're after. You guys are quite quiet this morning. <laughs> Someone got healed and, and gave their life to the Lord in star. But there we go. That is what we want to see. I want to see that for my friends. I was going to say my colleagues, but I work for the church. <laughs> I want to see that. Say, so, that's all well and good, but how do we go do it? The reality is we would quite like a tick box, wouldn't we? Of great, okay, this is what I need to do each time and then someone will get healed. Unfortunately, there isn't a formula. That is not the way that God works. Because as we learn to minister to people, our dependence is on him, not on a specific way of doing something. Wimber um, said this in his book, Power Healing, which if you want to learn a bit more about this, I would really recommend. He says, divine healing is neither automatic nor dependent on our right actions. It is rooted in a relationship with God and the power of his spirit. He goes on and says, divine healing is a gift from God, an act of mercy and grace. Our part is to listen to him and to carry out his word. It's about us being rooted in relationship with him recognizing it's him that does it, that we just get to play a part. See, there isn't a set formula or ritual that we need to go through. You'll be, there's no kind of rain dance that we need to do. But there are some helpful practices and guidelines. When you look at the way that Jesus did it, when you look at how he taught his disciples to do it, you see some, some patterns that they, that they did. So I just want us to look really briefly at those guidelines uh, before we give this a go this morning. So, firstly, though... Um, a caveat. When we're talking about healing, we just want to say, like, we love medicine. We love the NHS. And if you are here and if you're engaging with people and you're praying for healing, always, always encourage them to go seek, you know, proper medical help. We ne- like, n- never do we want you to get the message that it's like, if you're sick, that you shouldn't go seek help. That's like, well, you just need to pray. Of course, prayer is great, but we just want to put it out there. Parasites is always also great. So that's great. Right, so the first thing, the first guideline, we partner with the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you remember back um, kind of early in the series, I talked on authority, the authority that Jesus gives us to do this. Um, and, and we read earlier, Acts 1.8, that uh, Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We have been given power and authority to go do this stuff, which means that we do get to play a role. But we rely on Jesus. We rely on the Holy Spirit's power. It's not my power. When I pray for people and see them healed, I don't get any of the glory. And I would never want it. This has nothing to do with me. It's only the power of God that has seen them healed. But these two things, that I get to play a role, but it's the power of God. This, this means two things. It means that we get to use our wisdom and discernment. Say, so, If someone's kind of, it means that we can assess what's going on, pray a bit, find out, and you know maybe there might be something really obvious. It's like, oh, this could be to do with that. So let's pray for that. That's not I haven't haven't had a word or a picture about that. That just makes sense. We'll go with that. That's great. Use your wisdom. Use your discernment. But the other side of things is that we ask the Holy Spirit and we do seek prophetic words and pictures and intuitions of what the Lord is doing. Sometimes. Um, and we, we don't have loads of time to go into this, but sometimes, you know, physical problems are related to deep, like deep, maybe a, a sin issue or something that's been done to someone, like a, a psychological trauma. And so sometimes the Lord can give a prophetic word that's like, well, actually, this is the thing that needs to be dealt with. Wimber documents loads of, loads of moments of unforgiveness being the, the root of a physical problem. And actually, the issue is that they need to then be led through a prayer of forgiveness. And so that's why we rely on the Holy Spirit. We go, well, Lord, what's going on here? We just ask questions like, God, is, is there anything going on? What, what should I pray? We ask him. The next thing is we, uh, we pray for the person, not the condition. Again, Wimber used to say this, when I pray for a person's healing, my goal is to leave him or her feeling more loved by God than before we prayed. It has to start with compassion. Yeah, it has to be giving the person dignity. It has to be uh, aware that this person might be carrying years of disappointment. And not to go in brashly and just be like, in Jesus' name be healed. Oh yeah, like, oh you've not been healed. Oh okay, well that was probably your lack of faith. On to the next person. That would be so inappropriate. So it has to be done with compassion. Has to be for the person as a whole, rather than just their only their, their injury. The next thing is that we listen. The danger is when we pray, we like to use loads and loads of words. And Jesus says in the Gospels, "Don't pray with loads and loads of words, thinking that you'll be holier." It's just great to listen, you know. And it, and it might be that as you begin to pray, just like Holy Spirit. We invite you, and then you just say to the person, hey, we're just going to wait for a moment. Because it can be tough if, if you're like, well, they're expecting me to pray. If I stand in silence, they're going to get confused. It's, it's okay to wait, so you just let them know that. Wait on the Holy Spirit. So we listen to him, but then we also listen to the person. So we ask them questions, and we can ask them questions whilst we're praying for them. Like, hey, does it feel any different? Are you, are you experiencing the Holy Spirit right now? Is this making sense? All of those kind of things. Again, don't be afraid to ask people questions whilst you pray for them. Next, we watch. This is a great tip for prayer generally. Pray with your eyes open. Sometimes and often the Spirit of God, when he rests on people, rests and, and it can result in physical um, uh, physical expressions. I talked on this a bit a little a few weeks ago when we did the worship morning. That sometimes we, we worship with our body, but sometimes also when the Spirit comes, you know, we might shake, our eyes might flutter, and we can just look out for those signs and see the Spirit of God moving. And then lastly, we speak. So we do need to pray. We get invited to play a part in this. And there's not, you know, again, there's not a formula here. But when you look through the Gospels, you see, and 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 Acts, you see a few um, a few options here. So one is that often a command leads to healing. Say in John five, Jesus says to the paralyzed man, "Get up, pick up your mat and walk." He commands something to happen. In Acts three, Jesus says to the beggar at the gate, "In the name of Jesus, walk." It's a command speaking to the problem and commanding it to be made right. Sometimes it's a declaration. In Acts 9, Peter uh, is talking to uh, Ananias, I think that's how you say it. And he's just like, in the name, uh, he says, Jesus heals you. That's the prayer, is a declaration. And then there's also times in the Gospels in in Acts when we see it followed by petition. In Acts 9 again, a little bit later, Peter um, prays for Tabitha. But he is on his knees before the Lord in prayer, and then he gets up, and then she's healed. See, this isn't, you know, I can't say to you, hey, if you just say these four words when you pray for someone, then that's the right thing to say. It's like, that's not at all. It's it's when we wait on the Holy Spirit. But, you know, but there are helpful guidelines. So think about it, you know, it's great to be direct. So if someone's got a problem with their knee, just be like, well, okay, in the name of Jesus, would your knee be made well? That's a command. That's great. Be direct. Is that the only phrase that you can ever say for that need to be healed? No, not at all. It's not a formula. We rely on the Holy Spirit. We're guided by him. Now, just two last things before we get into this. Let's always do this humbly. Say, if you're someone, if you've seen people be healed, don't ever think it's about you. Don't ever... uh, yeah, just always do it with humility. If you ever get a prophetic word for someone, offer it with humility. You know, I, I think the Lord might be saying this to you rather than the Lord says this, the Lord says you have deep unforgiveness in your heart. It's like, no. It's like, hey, I, I think the Lord might be telling me that there, there could be an issue of unforgiveness in your heart. Does that make any sense for if I got that totally wrong? That could just be me. Super humble. Not weird if it's wrong. It's like, okay, cool, that was just me, my bad. So do it with humility. And then the other thing is, let us have an abundant level of grace for each other as we learn these things. So if you're here this morning and you're prayed for by someone and and maybe they prayed for like 20 minutes and you're like, I really want to go, just have grace for them, they're learning. If If they offer a prophetic word and they do it quite forcefully, have grace for them, we're learning. This is a safe space. If we want to go do it with our friends and family, we've got to learn to do it here which means if we're going to learn to do it here, there needs to be grace. So we're just going to say, it is okay to give this a go. It's okay to get it wrong. Talk about it afterwards. Chat about it with your small group, all that kind of stuff. But why don't you guys stand?